We're all a part of God's great evangelism, whether it's sowing a seed just by being friends with your next door curmudgeonly neighbor, just going the long haul with somebody like that. That is something that God is using, that the Spirit is growing up in that person. I, I can just think about the way he chased me down over 15 or 20 year period of my rebellion. I could point to all these different places where people were sowing into my life. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hola, amigos. Welcome to episode 90 of the Christian Music Archive podcast. A great big thank you for tuning in this week. And also, a thank you to all of you who faithfully financially support this podcast. I want to give a specific shout out this month to Bob, George, Jen, Matt, and Craig for throwing a little love our way. You are a real encouragement to me, and I can't say thank you enough. So (laughs) I'll say it again. Thank you. One of the other podcasts that I listen to has kind of a unique format. They tell the stories of their guests backwards, starting with an event that's current and then going back in time and telling other stories that kind of shape who that person is today. And a few weeks ago at church, I was talking to a friend about his new job, and Chris was recounting several events that had happened and how they were so devastating to him in the past couple of years. During each of those times, He said he would ask God, why do I have to go through this tough situation? But as Chris recounted his story, many of those events had a specific direction to the new job that he just got. He met someone because of a situation, or he was forced to do some introspection because of a tough event. And looking back, he was able to recognize that God had a plan all along. He used those tough things to shape Chris and make him ready for this new job. In fact, Chris chuckled and said, Oh, I see what you are doing, God. That recognition plays neatly into the conversation that we have today with Buddy Green. No, I'm not going to tell his story backward, but it is a lot of fun to see how God has been working and answering prayer during the times of life when Buddy didn't seem to think things were going the right way. Before our conversation today, I want to tell you about another exciting Mercy, Inc. program. Starfish Kids is a child sponsorship and development program in the northern part of Haiti. Students in 30 schools are sponsored each month for $25 a month. That money pays for tuition and books so that the students can get a Christian education. And in addition to school, students are also attending church, and a lot of times the entire family will attend too. That $25 a month contribution also helps pay to train and retain teachers. Now, this really surprised me. A well-trained teacher in Haiti makes about 1,800 Haitian good a month. That's about $20 a month in U.S. currency. That's just crazy. Starfish Kids would love to support and train more kids and add additional schools to the ones they're already working with. I'd like to encourage you to sponsor a girl or a boy today 
through the great work of Starfish Kids. And you can learn more by visiting mercycompassion.org and clicking on the child sponsorship link. That's mercycompassion.org. And thanks for making a difference for a child today. To get things started today, I'm going to throw out a few names and see if you can figure out how these musicians are related. Little Walter, Toots Thielman, Charlie McCoy, Stevie Wonder, Bob Dylan, Daryl Mansfield, Buddy Green. Well, if you're a student of music, you'll probably recognize that these are all harmonica players. And probably astute listeners will say, hey, these are some of the best harmonica players. Well, today we get to talk with Buddy Green, and yep, he was on that list of amazing musicians. But more importantly than his incredible musical skills, Buddy is a man who loves Jesus. And I've been looking forward to this podcast for some time. So join me in welcoming to the podcast, Buddy Green. Welcome, Buddy. Good to be with you, Dave. Yeah, we tried to do this once before and had some technical and other issues. So it's it's good to connect and uh, and hear your story. Well, thanks. Thanks for, I'm, I'm glad we get an extra shot at this. Yeah, the first time we tried, for your listener's sake, was uh, aborted because of my bad cold that then turned into the flu and all that. So anyway, here we are two weeks later, and, and I'm a much better man. Yeah, and you, there's even a more pep in your step as we're seeing each other on video today, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, me too. Well, you are primarily known, well, there's a lot of things you're known for, but you've been known as a harmonica, what, extraordinaire player. I mean, you you have mastered that instrument probably more than most of us grandfathers sitting on the front porch playing our own harmonica. But you also play guitar and a bunch of other stuff. But why why did you kind of focus on harmonica? Yeah, I was just taken with it at an early age. Um it had the same appeal to me that it does to you know grandpas and children alike in that it's small, portable. It looks like the kind of thing. Wow, you know, I ought to be able to do something with that. Yeah, you know, they're cheap, relatively speaking, and and you know, I I had always kind of dug the sound of a harmonica in the music that I loved, whether it was the Beatles or Rolling Stones. I mean, it was used a lot in you know, or somewhat in popular music as when I was a kid. And I got one as a as a Christmas present or something, you know, when I was really little and I couldn't do much with it. But after I had played music on guitar and and been in little local bands, you know, all through high school, yeah. I remember picking up one when I was about 19 or 20. I'd seen a couple of my friends messing around with them and just having a lot of fun. So I went and found that old harmonica, pulled it out. And by this time, I had enough rudimentary knowledge where I could kind of figure out the mechanics of the thing a little bit, you know, I mean, it's basically a, an instrument that's in tune with itself. It's in harmony. Mm. So when you blow, you, you get a harp, you get a chord. And when you draw, you get another chord. Harmony, harmonica. And, is that part of the name? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where the name came from. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I mean, right away, here's one, you know, that when you blow, you get a C chord and, when you draw in, you get a G chord. Okay. And um, and then learning to play this individual notes is, that's the first big challenge. And But before long, you know, you're learning how to uh, do little rhythm. You know, you're learning rhythm patterns and then, you know, how to get train whistles and all. And then you're just hooked. And that was, that's the way it was with me. I just became obsessed and, 
and and couldn't get enough of it, you know. And it was just a matter of time before it sort of became a calling card for me. Yeah. Well, and you've you've released what more than twenty albums, I think, right? And not all of those yeah. are harmonica feature, but you play guitar, you play a bunch of other stuff, you write right. songs. I mean, so music really was something that was important to you beyond yeah. I can make some train sounds on a harmonica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The harmonica. Thank God I didn't have to try to make a living as a harmonica player. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little specialty instrument, uh, but it, it, could, it, could only take, it could only take me so far. And, you know, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted, I wanted to be a singer and, and eventually a songwriter. All those things started playing into it. The more I just learned the craft. Okay. And by the time I got out of college, which I was an English major in, in college and not, not a good one, but <laughs> I sort of had my sights on maybe teaching or doing something like that. Yeah. But, but by the time I graduated and realized I was going to have to get a master's or a mm. PhD to teach at any sort of college level, I thought, man, I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot more work. That's a lot more work, and I, I can already, you know, get a gig down the street here at the, the local pub playing my my guitar and uh, harmonica. So, so I took that route uh, as a young man, and and really just learned through the school of hard knocks um, how to uh, put a few songs together and entertain a crowd. And um, it was just it was all homespun. Um, everything I was doing. But I eventually got a few, you know, good breaks that allowed me to have a, a, a real apprenticeship and and get further along to you know, where I could, you know, make some kind of a living from it. Well, I read, and we talked a little bit about this last time we talked, that your first real paid gig was with uh, Jerry Reed, who's a country singer and actor and stuff. Now, you you grew up mm-hmm. in Georgia, but he was the one who kind of yeah. pulled you to Nashville, right? Yeah, you're right. I I mean, I was already doing local gigs and and playing on a little, actually a little circuit of, that was taking me through Georgia and South Carolina and and playing bars and taverns and parties and what whatever we could do for fifty bucks a night. You know? Sure, but but it was no kind of steady paycheck, and uh, I was just eking out a living. But I had a friend who lived in Nashville, who was also from Georgia. And he'd gone up there and and uh, and was doing well, and it en- ended up in Jerry's band. And he called me one day and told me about a, a, a an opening in the band, and and I could if I could get up there in a hurry, I could you know audition. So I did, and long story short, I passed. And you know, like the next week, literally, I was wow. on Austin City Limits with Jerry Reed. And oh, wow! You're wondering what happened. <laughs> so were you uh, were you the guitar were you the guitar player or the harmonica player or did you just kind of do both utility player kind of a thing? I was mainly hired to play rhythm guitar and sing harmony. Okay, uh, but but Jerry liked the harmonica too, so that was a that was an a, a, an extra uh, added plus to him hiring me. Uh, is it j- just gave him one more color to work with? You yeah, know? yeah. Well, I, in the introduction, I talked about the fact that you are a passionate follower of Jesus. So how did your spiritual growth work alongside this musical growth? Um, and how did how did you come to be the, as excited and passionate about being in love with Jesus as you were about playing music? All right. It, it could, that could be a really long answer. But let me just <laughs> let me just say I was raised in the church, in the Southern Baptist Church, and then by adolescence was falling away from it. 
and by college was totally turning my back on mm-hmm. on that. I, I was a child of the '60s and and uh, a part of that s- sort of uh, anti-authority counterculture right. hippie sort of. I, I was I was all in for that mm-hmm. stuff and and really just you know disappointed in what my parents' generation had the way they'd screwed up the world, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, by the, my mid twenties, I realized that I was, I was doing my own bad version of things and really bad enough to where I really couldn't figure out how to be my, my own, uh, God, or, mm. uh, even, you know, I couldn't even make philosophical sense out of it or, or anything, but everything I was, the more knowledge I got, it didn't add up to good results because I had such a a lousy lifestyle. I was making such poor choices. And, um, so I started going back and, you know, reinvestigating the Bible a little bit, opening up, uh, being very private about it. Um, but within a couple of years, uh, you know, I was, I was just getting hungry to know more and, I wanted to know mainly, you know, who is Jesus and, um, all of the, all of the, the supernatural claims of the Bible, you know, resurrection, Mm. miracles, any of that stuff just was an intellectual affront to me because, you know, I'd been to college and (laughs) I'd I'd studied, I'd studied existentialism. So how could I believe in all that? Yeah. And, uh, but I just remember the good news of, Parts of the good news just coming through to me to where it just made me hungry to mm-hmm. want to know if there, there was really truth here. And you know how God works. He starts sending Christians into your life. Right. So it was, you know, uh, it was just a short amount of time before somebody invited me to a Bible study. And I went and it was it was felt safe enough where we could ask questions and all of this. And again, it was a long process, but over about a three or four year period, I just started believing. Okay. I was reading people like C.S. Lewis. I was um, sneaking into church a little bit, sitting on the back row, <laughs> you know, getting some more information. Yeah. But uh, long story short, I came to faith as I was approaching age 30. Okay. And I, during that time, I had um, met my wife. We were uh, dating. And, uh, she had, she had been a Christian earlier, you know, uh, had made a real profession of faith in her high school years and it kind of wandered away herself, not to the degree I had, but her faith was kind of dormant. But as she saw me being sort of revived, Mm -hmm. she she as well, you know, um, she wanted to see that in me and it just sort of rekindled it in her. So about the time I was willing to at least admit to her that I was believing in Jesus. Um, we just decided to get married. And, um, and it was shortly after that, that I got the job with Jerry. Okay. So, you know, God, I think God loves to, (laughs) to take neophytes like me and just put them right away into the, you know, into the fire so he can prove himself. Yeah. You know, right away, there I am out on the road, you know, you know, in a country music bus riding down the road with a bunch of <laughs> ne'er-do-wells and, and uh, trying to figure out, okay, how do I, 
what does faith look like in this situation? And I didn't do well at all. I mean, I just, I, I would just act just like the rest of those idiots. And, <laughs> but then I'd feel bad about it, you yeah. know? And I remember going to my pastor at the time and saying, well, I, I think I need to get out of this country music because, you know, I am not doing well. I just come to church feeling guilty and, and uh, maybe I'll get into Christian music. And I didn't know anything about Christian music. And he said, do you, you have any, <laughs> you have any friends in Christian music? I said, well, no, but I, maybe I could, you know, knock on some doors yeah. or whatever. He said, well, why, you know, it seems to me like God's given you a job and your problem is faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So why don't you start asking him to show you how to be faithful in, in the situation you're already in? Oh, wow. And, uh, he said, you know, you don't have to make big steps. Just just pray for little baby steps. So, I mean, I would literally pray on the way to the bus to, you know, go off on a, you know, say a week or two week tour. As a young married man, here I am, you know, newly wed and right. all and trying to uh, walk the straight and narrow and all this. But my, my prayer would be something like, okay, Lord, when the, when the marijuana joint comes my way, help me just to take it and pass it to the next guy and not stop at my lips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'd go through the weekend without getting stoned. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was like, wow, well, he really met me, you know, he yeah. really gave me faith. And then the same thing was like, when they want to show a bad movie, help me to get up and go to the back of the bus and just read a book. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he did. And, and I just started learning about how God meets you, yeah, uh, and and makes up the difference that you don't that you you know in those places where you're weak, that's where he's that's where he likes to show his strength. Yeah. And so, all those little lessons that I just needed to learn that I mean, I think that's why God gave me that job right off the bat was to give me a good uh, you know primer in walking in faith. Yeah. Well, you kind of started going down that path, but I, I was curious about what the difference Jesus in your life made in your music. And you talked about, well, maybe I should go to Christian music. Don't know what that is. But where yeah. did you see that actually start coloring how you sang and performed on your own? Well, I, I was listening to Christian music for the first time. And... um and I kind of knew about it already. I had a good friend named Mark Hurd. Oh, sure. You may know yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mark was from Macon, Georgia, too. Right. And Mark and I had actually become friends uh, during my heathen days when I when I was uh, in my 20s. And we had kind of reconnected. And um, I knew he was a Christian and I knew he was recording. And we started a little bit of a correspondence. And I was listening to his music some. Yeah. And it was a very thoughtful, great songwriting. Yeah. So, um there were people like that already in place, and I love that kind of writing, you know, that sort of confessional Christian writing where you're just writing about your faith and your relationship with God and your outlook on the world and all that. And so I just started trying a little bit of it myself. I'd also listened to a lot of bluegrass gospel music, okay, you know, just old, which, you know, that, that might have come from black or white traditions, but in black in bluegrass, there's always been a tradition of, of gospel music being a part of it. And I listen to those old, those old songs like you're, you're drifting too far from the shore or, and I just get convicted by, it. you know, amazing grace. Even I'd start remembering some of those old hymns. So 
I wanted to see if I could write about my faith. And I started writing some songs. And, uh, you know, before long, I had a half a dozen or so that I was knocking on people's doors and seeing if anybody was interested. <laughs> I might have even gotten one or two cuts. But but finally, um, I came to the attention of a real mover and a shaker in the Christian music world, which is a guy named Bob McKenzie. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Bob had produced everybody. He had been president of Benson music at one point. Um, and he happened to go to the same church I, I attended and heard me play one day at a service and came up, introduced himself. And he was intrigued and wanted to take me to lunch and find out more. And another long story short is he, he was the first person to offer me a, a record deal. And it was sort of a two-sided thing he wanted to do. He said, I want to, he said, I like, he, he, he listened to a few of my songs and he held up one. He said, this is the only one I like. And he said, and he said, first of all, let me tell you why I don't like these others. And he did. And he yeah. didn't mince words. Right. He was straight shooter. That's for sure. Yeah. And he was kind of like, you know, these other ones, you're just, I can hear you. You're trying to just be like this other writer. Or you're trying to write something. You're trying to write a bluegrass gospel song or whatever. But this one over here, this, I know your story enough to where you're trying to tell your story and you're doing it in a way that's really unique to you. Lord, I want to thank you for loving me the way that you do, where you turn me around in the light of the truth. And Lord, I want to thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for loving me the way that you do, where you turn me around in the light of the truth. And Lord, I want to thank you. In the middle of the night, not a hope inside. Lord, you found me there but with your wonderful light. Yeah, and I just want to give you praise. For the rest of my days When I think of the way you love me, Lord, I'm amazed Lord, I want to thank you for loving me The way that you do when you turn me around in the light of the truth And Lord, I want to thank you But it was me trying to condense my story into a two-minute song, you know And it was bluegrassy and, and so it had stuff that was That you didn't hear in... in in contemporary Christian music or even Southern gospel or whatever. He said, you know, this is, this is sort of unique. He said, do, do 10 more of those and we'll do a record. Very cool. So it just was just the impetus I needed. And, um, I started writing just, I mean, it was just poor, they poured out of me. And within a year I, I had released my first album. He had introduced me to Bill Gaither okay. uh, during that time. I was still working for Jerry but Bill invited me to an event, uh, an annual event called Praise Gathering that they did um, back in those days. And I got a good reception there. And then Bill asked me to go on the spring tour the following year. This was 1987. Okay. And there were conflicts um, with Jerry's schedule. So I had to turn down Bill's off offer. And I hated that because, you know, I'd been with Jerry four years. It was a great opportunity, but you know, I really wanted to, I wanted to sing about my faith. I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to be a singer songwriter, yeah. all the stuff. And what Bill was offering seemed to give me a little more freedom to do that. And, um, I mean, the next day I remember praying because Bob really taught me out of quitting Jerry and going with Bill. Okay. He said, you know, Bill's just offering you a tour, a two month tour. Jer Jerry's giving you a job mm. so that, 
you know, the responsible thing is to hang on to your job. <laughs> right. And so I say, yeah, you're right. So I prayed for God just to give me contentment with, and to not be anxious about things that I had no control over. Yeah. And so the next day I got a call from Jerry's office, literally the next day. And it was the business manager um, telling me that they were going to have to cut back because uh, they just couldn't afford a six piece band on the band on the road and said, you know, we know you've got aspirations elsewhere and also, and you've been a great employee, but we're going to give you your two weeks. And no kidding. And I mean, I did cartwheels out the door and, <laughs> and, and called Bill and asked him, you know, if the, if the offer was still good, yeah. and it was. And, and then I made the second album, um, which uh, as I waited for the tour to happen, I had about a month and Bob said, okay, let's go in and do that other record I want to make with you, which is um, harmonica instrumentals, uh, you know, featuring um, familiar hymns. Yeah, praise songs, harmonica spirit. that was called, right? Yep. It was praise harmonica. Yeah. So things were just so dovetailed. I mean, it's amazing how it all worked together. Isn't yeah. it interesting how God says, come to me and I'll give you, I'll, I'll guide and direct you. And we in our own mind are going, well, I've got this commitment. And my pastor even thinks I have this commitment. And then God says, yeah, I think you need to be doing something different. And he cut the cord for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but I, I got such good advice too. I mean, it, you know, like I'd be talking to my pastor during that time and he'd just say, listen, we pray to, we can pray to a God to open doors. No man can close and close doors. that No man can open. Right. And, and that applies to our, our marriages, our our, our, <laughs> our our work, our desires, whatever, you know, but yeah. just learn to do that and then look for it. And so that that was what was happening. I was learning and I've been learning this my whole life is that it's so much better to pray, ask God to lead and to open those doors, to close doors than it is to try to make things happen mm. and sometime and somehow, you know, <laughs> baptize our own <laughs> frustrated desires you know yeah yeah so um yeah anyway it was that I, I love i look back very fondly on those early days of, of faith and god just um proving himself to me in yeah. so many precious ways like that it's interesting that you say that because literally just this last week i was talking with some friends at church about how you know when we're first baby christians we are excited and we're all in and we're trying to figure things out and we're go, 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 go. And then as we get a little older and maybe a little bit of time under our belt, we kind of sit back and we're not quite as eager to jump forward or we're not quite as quick to pray. Lord, open the door, close the door. What do you yeah. think it is that causes us as we progress, I'll say, to say, okay, I've had this experience in the past. I'm not going to push for it right now. You know, you know, getting older, it just, you learn more, you suffer setbacks, you disappoint yourself, um, cynicism ensues. You know, it's just, it's part of aging, mm -hmm. I think, for one thing. Um, but there again, I think it's, God is in those details. I mean, he's He's working in that as well and, and to, I mean, prove to us in fresh ways how we need him. And, and it's going to be a different journey in your forties than it was in your twenties. Right. As it will be in your sixties and however long you go, it <laughs> looks different. 
and all those seasons, doesn't it? I mean, by the time I was, I was in my forties, I was already established somewhat as a Christian musician and I had a few recordings and I was kind of living the dream in some ways. Yeah. But, but also what happened at that point is I started realizing I, I was in sort of this insular world, religiously, musically. Um, I was, it was all Christian all the time. Yeah. And, and I was not a happy camper, you know, you know, musically, I wanted more. I, I didn't want to just go from one Christian event to another. Yeah. You know, I'm a musician. You know, I love playing gospel music and all, but gosh, I love Stevie Wonder. I love the Beatles. Yeah. I love, you know, bluegrass. And, and I, I love playing music in different settings, whether they're, you know, a secular or a church setting. Or And I just couldn't do it. You know, I mean, because my job was limiting me right. or my career choice or whatever, or at least that's what I thought. Mm. And it, there again, I just, I got to this place where I had to pray and seek some wisdom and advice and, and, and kind of get pushed out of that place that I thought I was trapped in to a place where I would take a few chances that didn't involve my reputation as a Christian mm. singer. Yeah. And so I think it was around 2002 that I, I did the first really sort of secular recording. Uh, and I'd already released by this time, you know, 10 records or whatever, but they were all Christian records. And uh, this one was called Rufus, which was my middle name. And it's what Jerry Reed called me when I was in his band okay. to distinguish me from another buddy in the band. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I had a blast making this record, you know, and it was, it was really, I was just trying to create a little calling card to hand to, you know, music festival promoters sure. or club owners and just say, Hey, you don't know me from Adam, but I'd love to come play your club and here's what I can do. Yeah. It's kind of like starting over a little bit and it didn't like open up a whole new career for me, but it, it just, it broadened my experience, which is what I was wanting. And that kind of pushed you more towards some of that Americana sound that you've been recorded uh, later in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by this time, I never was much of a radio presence. You know, I, I wouldn't, my songs weren't ending up on the charts and what have you. So I was beginning to realize, you know, I don't need to worry about if this is going to work on the radio or any of those criteria. So, yeah, there became... The, I'd say the last 20 years of recording, even though I, I've got I've got some favorites from that first 20 years. Sure. But the last the last 20 years have been so much more fulfilling, enjoyable and, and created probably a, a better body of work mm. than um, than the first 20. But, you know, I couldn't have done that had I not. I mean, that's what I that's what God was teaching me yeah. as I was in my 40s and dissatisfied and and needing to be nudged along right yeah well and you probably get this question a ton and we don't have to go down this road too deeply but when i think buddy green i really personally i think of two things i think of the harmonica now i know you've got a large body of work that's outside the harmonica and i think of this small little song you wrote with a guy named mark lowry <laughs> you know here is probably the number one most popular contemporary christmas song mary did you know how did you get hooked up with Mark? And, you know, we all know Mark is a singer, 
But yeah, at the time he was a comedian. I mean, that's what we thought of him as a as a, a funny guy. Was it through the Gaither organization that you met him, or how did you get connected with Mark, yeah. and how did that song come about? Yeah, we met on the Gaither tour. I was already a a part of it when he came on as a new member of the vocal band, and uh, I didn't know anything about him. I mean, by this time, Mark had been around. He was like a like a uh, a child sensation earlier on, you know. So he'd been around and. And he was a singer, but yeah, he was a funny, funny man. And um, so we started becoming friends and he liked my songwriting. And one day he handed me this lyric on a piece of paper that he had written in his really impeccable handwriting. And it had a little note at the bottom that said, uh, dear buddy, or actually the note was at the top. And uh, because verbatim, I can remember what he wrote. He said, dear buddy, Below are some incredible words I penned some years back. Please come up with some God-inspired music and make for us a very profitable hit. <laughs> that sounds like Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he signed it in the clutches of the cross, Mark Lowry. And I just thought, what in the world is he written? I didn't even look at it. And um, I said, hey, Mark, let me let me look at this. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's another phone call coming yeah. in. I, I said, uh, I, let me look at this when I get home. And he said, right, well, don't lose it now. It's really good. <laughs> I said, okay. So I figured it was a novelty tune or something, yeah. you know, just knowing Mark. And I got home and probably a week went by before I even discovered it again. And, um, and it was one of those days when I was playing, I've been playing my guitar a lot that day and mostly a bunch of old Oh, mountain ballads and stuff had been coming to mind. So I was playing things like Shady Grove and Poor Wayfaring Stranger. Yeah. And, you know, so I was in this minor mood, you know. And so as soon as I looked at that lyric, which I, I loved, I couldn't believe it. I used to joke to my audiences when I'd be talking, introducing this song. I'd say the first thing I thought when I saw this lyric was, this must be stolen. <laughs> <laughs> We all know Mark Lowry could could not write this. But anyway, it was just, you know, Mark's got this thoughtful side. and But he really had come up with some some amazing lines in this thing. Yeah. So, um, but I got I got an idea just right off the bat, a little musical. In fact, it was that opening phrase. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And I thought, well, let me run with that. And, you know, it was a good enough idea where it just about wrote itself. You know, I, I chased it for 15 or 20 minutes and was really liking it. And I said, boy, if this isn't the direction that Mark wants to go in, then I need to pull the plug on this before I get too <laughs> in love with it. Yeah. So I called him up and I played it over the phone and he did love it and said, Hey, I'm going to be in town in a couple of days and let's make a demo and pitch it to Michael uh, English. Yeah. Who was looking for songs for his first album. Yeah. And we did pitch it and they, they liked it. It actually became, I think the second, single release off of that debut album and um it didn't exactly put it on the map but um before long other people started discovering the song kathy mateo was the first sort of country artist to do it and you know followed by people like um kenny loggins and uh, natalie cole i mean it's just yeah CeeLo green i mean the list is huge it is a it is a huge list mary did you know your baby boy will one day walk on water. Mary, did you know 
your baby boy will save our sons and daughters. Did you know your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Neither one of us, I felt like, I mean, I certainly did not feel like we had written anything that would be popular. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it could be useful in a Christmas musical or something like that, you know? Yeah. But I just didn't think that, you know, because I, I basically was just trying to write a little folk songy kind of treatment yeah. for this lyric. Yeah. But but thankfully, like Mark, uh, Mike English's first... He was the first one to record it, and they took it in a really pop direction on that first recording. So right away, I realized, wow, this is a song that, that you know, musically it'll translate yeah. to other genres. Yeah. And all. And so that's that was great to hear. And now there's been so many great treatments of that song out there, and I'm, I'm kind of amazed that it's had a 30-year life now. Well, the thing I think about with that song is Christmas is one of the few times that Christ is spoken on mainstream radio. I mean, we hear Jesus's story all the time. Yeah, we get jingle bells and all the other stuff, but every mm-hmm. year, even on blatantly secular stuff, we hear songs about Jesus and how he loves and how he came to earth. And I think back to your story about wanting to decide how do I how do I use what I do for the Lord on the road with Jerry Reed? How do I do what God has called me to do and not be pigeonholed in this kind of silo of Christendom? And here God blesses you and Mark with this opportunity to do a song that has become a modern classic, I would say, and people sing it. And what is it all about? It's all about the amazing love of Jesus for mankind. And what a gift that was for you to say, oh my gosh, God, you've been preparing all along, meeting Bill Gaither, meeting you know all these different people to put you in a spot where the music that you're doing is, not that the other music doesn't make an impact, that's not what I'm saying, but you've got such a worldwide impact with that song. God has used you for that. Well, that's what we're all doing though, Dave, don't you think? I mean, we're, we're all a part of God's great evangelism in the world. Yeah. So whether it's, Sowing a seed just by being friends with your next door curmudgeonly <laughs> atheist neighbor, yeah, or you know, or whatever. Just going the long haul with somebody like that—that is—that is something that God is using. That the Spirit is 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 growing up in that person. I, I can just think about the way He chased me down over you know a fifteen or twenty year period yeah. of my rebellion, and there I could point to all these different places where people were sowing into my life, good seed. Yeah. And some of it, sometimes it was a song. I, I remember, you know, finally sort of understanding the words to amazing grace and just realizing yeah. I really am a wretch, man. I really do need a God of radical grace to rescue me because I'm yeah. too far gone for anything else to work. So that's, you know, when somebody can stop for a minute, be arrested by a song by like Mary, did you know, and just hear the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the lamb and think, what, what is this song talking about? Just if, if it can just get the wheels turning a little bit, then that's going to lead you to the next 
thing that the Spirit is doing to get you to inquire a little more about who is Jesus. And so it's just a step along the way. But yeah, I'm grateful that Mark and I got to do something that has some sort of universal value out there. Well, and I think that's the prayer of all of our lives, right? Lord, make my life something that you can use to reach people just exactly like you were saying. So I appreciate your faithfulness to that. Well, I want to be cognizant of time. I have two more questions. One, uh, we always ask uh, people who support our podcast if they've got questions. And this one actually comes from my mother. So I'd be in trouble if I didn't ask. Uh, (laughs) I told her, I said, you know, I'm going to be introducing Buddy and uh, he's announced his retirement. So this is kind of a special thing. And she says, oh, no. Does that mean he'll never be on another homecoming, a Gaither homecoming? <laughs> no, um, I've kind of retired from the road. Uh, I really am enjoying it, and I still do an occasional trip. I'll, 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 there are a few exceptions I'll make, but mainly I've, I've wanted to um, be more of a local guy mm-hmm. for a long time, and uh, whether that's playing music or just being involved with my neighbors or church or community. And um, I was always just sort of letting my road career interfere with that and interrupt it and and justify my lack of involvement. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But, uh, but I I really enjoyed it though. I mean, the pandemic, I'd been thinking about it leading up to 2020 and, and and I was going into 2020 with like, man, I don't, I'll sort of semi-retire and see what it's like. And then <laughs> and the, and the brakes skidded on. So um, I thought, well, I guess this is it. And I I really have, I'm, I had some great times on the road, but I have not missed it. You know, by the time you get to be my age, you really love your own bed. <laughs> Amen. And, Amen. And, and, you, and if you never had to get on another airplane, it would not be, it would be too soon, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, te- I mean, if Bill Gaither calls, I'll be there. <laughs> sure. There, there are plenty of exceptions I still want to make. Well, I think of the answer to prayer that uh, Jerry Reed's office calling you saying, hey, you know, you're not on the tour anymore, which gave you the focus to fo- pursue Christian music. And then the yeah. focus of, hey, Lord, should I maybe go into retirement? And then he threw a pandemic at you to kind of give you an answer. of <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's like he's, he guides in his way. That's right. And it, and it came right about the same time that I became a grandfather for the first time. So, you know, I've, I've, I've got that happening in my life now and loving it. I mean, it's just so great to have a granddaughter and, and just be just a more available to my, my two daughters who are grown now and son-in-law. And, and, and I had to say to my wife, let me tell you, uh, the wife of an itinerant musician <laughs> puts a lot of her life on hold. Yeah. Uh, and so I told Vicki uh, a couple of years ago when this was all starting, I said, you know, I, I have chopped up the calendar for all of our married life and given you the leftovers. Mm. But from now on, I get the leftovers. You, you manage the calendar from here on out. So that's been that's been good, too. Every Saturday, I send out a newsletter to a bunch of folks who are committed to praying for artists, both current artists and legacy artists. How specifically can we be praying for you and Vicki and you're praying for you at the weeks and the months that are coming up ahead of us? Thank you for that. Um, I think just that we would, that we would just go into this period of life uh, that we're in now as, you know, seniors and <laughs> grandparents and parents. Um, 
and people that want to be community-minded, that just that we would uh, listen to God and continue to learn what it means to be faithful uh, in the world. We, you know, pray we pray for our marriage, and, but that that's it. I mean, I uh, I want to learn how to be faithful as an old man. You know, uh, I'm into it enough to realize it's going to be a lot different than life in my 40s. You know, it's uh, yeah. Life in your 60s and 70s and, and, and all, it's, it's when you're really in, um, I don't want to use a word like decline, but you know, things, everything's, nothing works like it used to. <laughs> everything's slowing down. Everything's harder, yeah. all that. But there's also, there's a, there's a, there's something wonderful about a slower pace and not so much demand on your schedule. Um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I just want to be able to listen and and respond in a good way. Hey, thanks, buddy, for sharing your story with us today. And thank you for the reminder that God is always directing our steps. Sometimes it might be a definite open or closed door situation, and other times just through the caring gesture of a friend or someone who said the right thing or was in the right place at the right time. I also appreciate Buddy's comments about how sometimes those God-directed steps can just seem to be small, insignificant things, but that if we are faithful with the little things, God will be faithful in guiding and directing us. You know, I've been reading the Psalms a lot lately, and I've talked about that here on the podcast, but I've got a couple of verses that kind of stand out to me about this conversation today. The first is in Psalm 32, 8. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And then there's another verse, in actually a couple of verses in Psalm 37, 23, and 24 that says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Did you catch that phrase? It says God delights in every detail of our lives. It makes me think about all the things that I'm going through during the week and realize God's delighting in this stuff. He's got a plan, and I almost picture him as a dad chuckling behind the scenes going, just wait, you've got to see what's coming up. This week, I featured three of Buddy's songs, Lord, I Want to Thank You, Mary, Did You Know, and Brand New Day. Actually, you haven't heard Brand New Day yet, but I'm going to share that at the end of this podcast. And you'll find the links to all of Buddy's music on his website, buddygreen.com. I'll put the links to all of Buddy's information in the show notes. But remember that the best way to support musicians is to buy music directly from them on their website. So I encourage you to head over there and do that. As always, thank you for joining me in this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to the podcast, would you consider helping fund the work that I do? When you contribute any amount each month, you not only help fund the podcast, but you also get to help write the questions I asked my guests. You also help me keep the Christian Music Archive website going, where I'm adding music and new things every day. So you can learn more about all of this over at christianmusicarchive.com donate. And thanks again for your support. Next week, well, every week actually, I'm chatting with another musician that you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. 
So I invite you back to hear another conversation next week. But to close things out, I'm going to use my standard phrase because I believe it with all of my heart. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. And now, here's Buddy's song, Brand New Day. Cool spring morning and it sure feels good Sitting on the back porch and nestled in the wood Sweet song rising from the river down below All creation putting on a show Time for another mischievous Maurer's miscellaneous misquotes. The other day, I was listening to a song about superglue. 
It's been stuck in my head ever since. 